recording the callus. This is episode 121. Oh, sorry, did I say that? I actually meant 141. How funny is that? Kind of like missing the final portion of the Magdeburg Monday. Unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts and very important business I was tending to, I was not able to do that episode yesterday. And rather than deviate from the plan and do it on a Tuesday again, I will save it and return next week. And I will have the final Magdeburg Monday. But today, today we're going to just talk about hmm, things that are going on. Let me uh, respond to a little feedback that I may have received. So, yes, I know I get quite animated on this program. Because it's my program and I enjoy it. That's why I do it. And, you know, the beauty of it is, is when it's your show, you can do whatever you want. And I'm sure at some point, somebody will find a way to use it against me. Well, you know, that's fine and dandy, but I don't really think I've ever done or said anything to be ashamed of or put out the pasture for. In fact, I think I've generally been a solutions-orientated guy. I tell you what I think a problem is. I tell you what issues are. And I generally circle back on how do we make things better. Now, I imagine I've had a few episodes that were, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, Debbie Downer. Um, But that's never the overall goal. That's never the thrust and the interest of this program. This program is to say things that I'm seeing, things that I observe, give thoughts about it, Have a little fun, sometimes at the expense of a tyrant, sometimes at the expense of a stupid policy, sometimes just making fun of the situation's life itself. Other times, they are serious. They're very serious. And it's it's hard to remain positive and lightened when dealing with some of the hmm, more difficult things in life. But, again, you know, if you have the happy warrior ethos, you can go into battle and smile on your way in. And when it's over, you wipe yourself off, you dust it off and you go on back to life as it should be. Now I am, (laughs) I'm not some ancient warrior. I'm just an average guy that lives in an average house in an average city in North Texas. But you know what? It's a pretty great place here. I'm, Darn happy to be here. And whatever difficulties or whatever challenge they are, I would much rather face them here than anywhere else. I would much rather make my stand in McKinney, Texas than anywhere else. And you might ask yourself, well, Stephen, what's with the change here? Well, it's not really a change. It's just an acknowledgement that there's some perception that I'm a little more negative than what I'm intending to come off of. That, that my animation is anger. My animation is excitement. It's uh, passion. I, I generally don't get angry, at least not angry that I would broadcast, right? It's, it's to make it interesting. It's to draw attention. You need to understand that there are things that are going on that we can change. And there are things that are going on that we have very little control over. The important thing is, is you have to be able to accept the things that you can't fix 
and focus on the things that you can fix. I think that might be in a serenity prayer, but I'm not familiar with it off the top of my head, though I have heard it recited a time or two. Then really the basis is I can go home and I can spend every night worried and concerned about things that I cannot control and I cannot fix, or I can think about things that we can do and I can talk about this is the issue. This is the detrimental problem. This is this is an interesting aside. This is the challenge today. And then these are certain things that we can do to make it better. And ultimately, that's what the goal is, right? You want to be a little entertainment, a little what uh, Glenn Beck used to call the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. Well, I'm not Glenn Beck. Well, I wouldn't mind having his paycheck, but (laughs) here's the thing. This is just a small little show. It's a passion project. If it makes me some money at some point in the future, great. If it doesn't, okay, that's fine too. I am interested in putting out ideas and they're not just my ideas. I freely pass along or spread other people's ideas. And speaking of one of the people whose ideas I have spread, I went to go see Robert West tonight. He was in downtown McKinney talking about the utter frustration and the lack of interest in getting things fixed. He outlined the fact that the governor violated the constitution. I believe he said 14 times and, um, you know, the, the restraints on the governor's power. Then he talked about the process he worked to try and get these resolved. And he worked his way down from the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker of the house, and of course, the other state reps and state senators, all the way down through the county chair to the individual precinct chairs. And what he found was it just was a giant yawn. Now, my my thought is, and I, I, I will talk to Mr. West next time I see him and can spend more than two minutes talking to him. Because he's a busy guy. He's got a lot to say. And he is exciting and exudes passion and concern for what's best for Texas. And that's the kind of guy I want running or at least encouraging other people to run. It's fantastic. He talked about the idea that there are a third of these precinct chairs that are open. There's nobody there. Well, people that care and people that are interested, the way you get them involved is put them in a precinct chair. Get them involved. Give them an opportunity to help fix the problem. So what's the problem? We have an executive that violates the Constitution. He exceeds his power. Well, we already know that the state reps didn't want to do anything. We know the county chairs, by by and large, didn't want to do anything. So you get the precinct chairs together in the counties where they're let's say a little more aggressive. That's maybe not the best term, but mm, we're going to go with that. And you tell them, look, Hey, this is what has happened. These are all violations of the constitution. Separation of powers violated, whatever you want to call it. The governor's wrong. He shouldn't have been doing these things. We can censure him. We can say, we don't like this. We can put him on notice that we're watching. 
Now, you may say, well, that's meaningless. It has no teeth, whatever. But you know what? 14 counties or 12 counties or whatever the number was. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the numbers, I imagine, impro- improving slash increasing often. So I think the last time I remember it was 14, but it might have been 12. But those counties are can continue to grow. And as an interesting aside, Conley County may very well be next. Now, unfortunately, much like Texas itself, we are hesitant to lead in Conley County. We don't want to take the initiative. Texas doesn't generally want to take the initiative. But if you want to get things done, you have to lead. And what better way to lead than lead with liberty? Set the example. See, this is a positive way to look at things. Yes, this bad thing happened. There is another avenue to deal with it. This is the avenue that's present. We're going to let them know we're dissatisfied. And when enough people stand up and say, no, this is wrong, they have to listen. They'll pay attention. It may take six months, six years, 60 years. I don't know. But if we don't stand up and say, no, this is wrong. You should do it no more. We're going to stop you. How are we going to stop you? Well, first we're going to do this. Then we're going to do this. And then quite frankly, we're just not going to send you back to Austin. I'm frustrated. There is a lot of dissent. There's a lot of infighting. There's a lot of bickering. And every two years this comes about. And, you know, it's no different in the Democrat Party than it is in the Republican Party. Everybody's jockeying for power and authority and this and that. And, you know, when you put mission over preference, you get stuff done. But when you fixate on preference over mission, then you deal with the factionalism. So, I don't know what's going to happen, but in six days or seven days, we're going to be faced with a crossroads. And I hope to be able to go give my two cents, or actually my 10 cents, my two cents is free, huh? (laughs) In any case, I, I hope to be able to go speak on this issue. Really hope that we can come to a solution. We can come up with the bargain, if you will. Hopefully not a Faustian bargain, excuse me, but a legitimate bargain where both sides can at least see that they got something they wanted or that was something that was more important than something else. And then we can move on. And I know from time to time I, I drift into this idea that it's important to keep the peace and, you know, put out some platitudes from time to time. And it's basically trying to be deferential. Right? There are people that are going to disagree. There are people that don't feel as strongly about things as I do. And the last thing I want is for those people that would be naturally allies and so many other things to just become dejected and to feel rejected and then leave. We need those people. We need those people that maybe aren't quite as strong or don't have as much initiative. But we need them and we need to encourage them. We need to educate them. We need to work with them. We need to acknowledge them as good allies. and We don't do that well. The strange thing is, is the Democrats, for all their shortcomings and, you know, the progressive mindset and the socialist mentality and all this other stuff, they do one thing very well. 
They bring people in. They say, you're on our team. We're going to just look past whatever this issue is. We're, you're on our team. We hate those people over there. And maybe hate's too strong a word, right? But they see that's the enemy over there. We're going to argue about all of our stuff here. But when it's time to go face the enemy, we show up in force and we face the enemy. Unfortunately, the Republicans don't do that well. We try. Parts of us do. Other parts don't. But again, we're putting preference over mission. Or if you will, preference over principle. But the mission's what matters. And sometimes that means you have to make a temporary sacrifice or accept a temporary setback to get the overall goal. Now, I want to speak on this issue, and I've led into this issue, because it's a touchy subject. We're in Collin County. We've been bright red. We made medium red, and now we're pink. Some say we're purple. I would say we're red, but not as bright red as we once were. And if that's the definition of being Republican or conservative, that's why I'm explaining it that way. I still can't get past the idea that we call ourselves red when that was the definition of communists. But be that as it may, that's that's old school, right? Hey, they had stuff went away in 1990. Uh, Maybe not. But the idea that you can grow up a city in a county and that city gets to a certain level of density, a certain level of people... And they're not going to drift from their moorings, from what made them successful into more of a Democrat mindset. And I'm going to let you use your own imagination, your own definition of what I mean by that. Just we're going to call it a Democrat mindset. Or even better, how about a progressive worldview? Okay, that's even more generic and less less of an epithet, right? Progressive mindset develops in these areas. And when you're looking at the overall change of an area, you have to face the consequences of the things that you put into motion 5, 10, 15 years ago when they come to fruition. Whether it's you put your children into government schools, whether it's you homeschool, whether it's you private school, those children eventually grow up And they become their own people. And the things that they learn along the way impress upon them how they should behave. Likewise, when you set aside an area that you're going to create for high-density housing. Now, they sell high-density housing on the notion that it's lower-income housing or it's uh, reasonably priced housing or attainable housing or whatever tagline they come up with. That's what they sell it as. The reality is, is the luxury apartments in 10 years are just apartments. The reality is those awesome garden apartments eventually get run down. They change the owners and they just don't invest the money to keep them up to snuff. And sooner or later, that area becomes not as nice as it once was. Now, whether that's through attrition or people always wanting new or 
whatever other societal ill you want to press upon it, that's the natural progression. Yesterday's luxury apartments are today's regular apartments and then tomorrow's mm, less than stellar locations. How about that? But you still have to have affordable housing. You still have to have the so-called attainable housing. You have to work with people because not everybody makes one hundred and fifty or $200,000 a year. Not everybody has the money to be able to afford the average cost of a home in Cowlin County. But you have to have a mix of people present. You have to have everybody in an area needs a place to stay, right? And if you do it right, you have a very successful growth pattern and you you do things. And early on, Plano did a lot of things very well. And then they kind of shifted. They created a path to where they corralled people into very tight spaces and the progressive mindset began to build. And that continued for 5, 10, 15 years. And Plano, which used to be the jewel of Collin County, indeed of North Texas, has kind of passed its prime. And I don't say that to disparage Plano. I still think it's great. And I still think there's very nice things in Plano. But it's no longer the thing that it once was. And that could, again, be natural progression. Or it could be designed obsolescence. But again, what are you supposed to do about it? Are you supposed to be angry? Are you supposed to go radically change things? Are you supposed to go after some people? Are you going to, you just, there's, just accept the things that are. And look to how do you improve it. That's the question. How do you improve it? What do you do in Plano to make things better? Well, I'm certain that adding more high-density housing is not going to solve the problem. Of course, the solution for the developers, particularly in Plano, is to just push the high-density housing north whether it's in the Allen, Frisco, or McKinney, and they've largely been successful in making that happen. And it spurs great amount of growth. And it, of course, makes municipal people thrilled because that's growing tax base, growing power base. But it generally also causes the bright red to turn less bright red. And there's multiple reasons why that may be, and I don't necessarily think it's a terrible thing, and somebody asked me tonight, well, how do you address that? What is your plan of action? When you get more young people, when you get more people that don't look like you or don't sound like you, how do you address them? How do you, how do you sell them on the idea that constitutional ideas, that conservative mindset that, you know, I guess call it um, Western culture is the best way to do things? That's a good question. Unfortunately, I didn't really have the answer for this gentleman at the moment, mostly because it's a longer answer than I was comfortable giving in the minute and a half we had to talk. But the way I might break it down is, first of all, you have to look at the worldview that the person is coming from. What were they brought up with? Then you have to understand their language. Once you understand their language, then you got to find a way to communicate to them 
in such a way that you can find similar values and build upon that. So the challenge is, is that an entire generation of young people don't necessarily see the value in individual rights. They don't necessarily see the value in private property. They don't necessarily see the value in many of the things that we hold dear, whether it's firearms ownership, whether it's the right to life, whether it's the freedom to travel, they come more from a mindset of security, acceptance, and, well, I don't know, uh, share and share alike, for lack of a better term. They uh, like, the, and again, this is a gross generality, right, generality. It's a broad brush, and it's not even necessarily meant to be a negative or a slight. It's just kind of an explanation. So let's let's start. So if somebody doesn't necessarily value their own rights. Now, is that true or is it false? Well, if you talk to somebody that's, in the purpose of this discussion, 25 years to, say, 18 years old, they value their individuality more than their individual rights. They want to be free to express themselves, but not in a way that maybe somebody my age or older is comfortable with. They say they respect science, but they reject it at the same time. It's, it's contradictory. They say they want and demand individual expression, but yet also want conformity. In many ways, this contradiction is nothing new. This is stuff we've seen before. It's just a different form. I've quoted Solomon before when he said, nothing new is under the sun. I, and I, the idea that you sell your uniqueness by ensuring conformity is something that Apple has excited, I'm sorry, that Apple has, as, has, wow, I'm sorry, let's try to say, this is something that Apple has excelled at. They created the nice little white earbuds when nobody had white earbuds. They created the nice little smooth shape of their phones, which at the time nobody else did that. They have their really nice little logo after Eve took the bite. Eve takes the bite out of the apple. That's where that comes from, in case you didn't know. So the reality is, if you're sacrificing anything that you believe and stand for out of blanket acceptance of everything is anything really real I mean the other phenomena that I see and I must admit I'm a little bit confused the idea of living in a VR world now don't get me wrong I've played a VR game or two in my life and it's kind of fun there's really zero desire that I want to live in that. I like reality as I know it. Even all that I might find wrong or classify as problematic, troubling, I, I still like reality. I still want to be able to get up in the morning, go to work, come home, spend time with my family and do things. We all make sacrifices. You know, 25 years ago or whatever, 
I worked three jobs. I did everything I could to take care of my wife and my young daughter because that's what I was supposed to do. It was a willing sacrifice. It was something that I did because it needed to be done. And I had a moral certainty that this was the right thing to do and a devotion to my wife and daughter. And it was important to me. And I did it and I did it and I did it until I didn't have to do it anymore. That doesn't make me special because entire generations of men have done it before me. In fact, there are generations of men doing it right now. But what makes it unique is it was me. It was my life. It was my experience. It was my motivation to do better, to get better than where I was. But if I didn't have to work, if something was just handed to me, if I didn't have to put in the effort and the sweat, how would I have learned? How would I have gotten better? Good question. Is there an expectation that everybody should be able to have to do this? No. But if anybody wants to do that, that opportunity should exist. And it's a real challenging situation when those opportunities are disappearing. And we have to ask ourselves why that is. But again, going back, what a solution. I've laid out several issues, several things that are going on. We've talked about where we're at, where we're potentially going. The solution, and again, I'm going to borrow the idea from Brian McClanahan, and it's not even just his. It's been around for decades. You got to look at relocalizing things. If you offshore everything, if you put everything in a big city, little small towns and villages and little hamlets, whatever you want to call them, they don't provide or produce anything for themselves. And soon the people run out of a way to be productive. They can't look out for themselves. They can't produce for themselves. They don't have a future. Is it any wonder that we have the drug use problems we have? We're not going to get into the issue of whether it's right, wrong, legal, illegal. It doesn't matter. It's it's devastating and destroys your life if you start using that stuff. Very few people go and take those drugs and have a better life because of it. I mean, it might be better temporarily for you know a month or a week or for that individual high, but soon their life gets destroyed and the lives around them are damaged. That's not a good outcome. But why do people do it? If your entire life is meaningless in your own eyes, if you can't be productive, if you can't do anything, you see no future, you see nothing. If you if you're sold yourself to the nihilism and the, the absence of any value to your life, of course you're not going to care. Now, I can tell you with absolute certainty that as a Christian, I think the problem is easily well, I the problem is easily addressed by the value and acceptance of Christ into your life. But if you're not, if you reject that, you got to find something else. I the answer's there. You, you don't have to accept it. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. That's not me. 
The choice is yours. There are many, many people that would tell you that they would be dead on the side of the street, but for God, but through their salvation, through Christ. There are other people that tell you they found it in something else. I don't believe that that's the same value for me. I think I'm right, but I'm not going to begrudge you for your thing. I'm not going to let you, or I'm not going to say to you, well, you're absolutely wrong and go away. I want nothing to do with you. No, absolutely not. I want for you to be in a better place. I want for you to become a better you. I think I have the answer. It works for me. But in today's world, if I were to tell you, well, it absolutely works for you and you don't get the result that you want, what are you going to do? Sue me? It's possible. No. The path to destruction is wide and easy. If you want what's best, if you want a brighter future, you have to be willing to work for it. You have to be willing to listen to other people's struggles, troubles. You have to be willing to work together. You have to be able to put aside your preference for mission. You have to be able to focus on the principle rather than your preference. You have to make the sacrifice sometimes of something that you deem most important when the bigger picture is in play. Sometimes it means you have to take a step back. Sometimes it means you have to take a giant leap forward. Sometimes it means you have to put your neck out because there's something more important at issue. I've said many, many times, what are you willing to do? If I were to tell you, Texas hangs in the balance. Indeed, the United States hangs in the balance. It all comes down to what do we do in Collin County? Now, granted, maybe it's not a fair thing to say, but just hypothetically, if that's my story and that's what I'm telling, and that's my selling point, and I put it on you and I say, what are you going to do? What are you willing to do? What's your answer? I said at a forum about a week ago that our founding generation were willing to sacrifice their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What about you? That, my friends, is According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side. I hope you enjoyed episode 141. Thank you.